When something happens to your car, you might say, But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. All right, let me, let me turn my talk. Here we go. Uh. He said he living life as a gringo. Where you question, where you fit, and every time you mingle. They say you do this with not enough that. My rapping is really bad. <laughs> this life as a gringo. Yes, welcome to another episode of Life as a Gringo. I am Dramos, of course, and uh, today is an exciting day as uh, we continue on celebrating Latinx Heritage Month. Uh, And as I mentioned in uh, in my episode last week, every Thursday will be primarily focused on on celebrating or having a discussion that directly affects our culture. Uh, First and foremost, before I get into anything, if you hear a little bell in the background, maybe some some noise in the background. I've got my little puppy in here because uh, while I was recording uh, my episode that dropped on Tuesday, I had him in his little crate, you know what I'm saying, nice and comfortable with a little puppy music playing in the background to relax him. And when I came downstairs, I discovered that uh, that this little guy ripped up his entire bed and there was just stuffing everywhere. And I mean everywhere. So now to avoid having to go through this crazy cleanup, uh, he's now going to be sitting in the room with me. So if you hear a little background noise, just ignore that. That is my little pup. But moving on to what we are discussing in today's episode. So uh, fair warning, this one might rub some people the wrong way, but fuck it. It's a podcast. We can talk about whatever we want, honestly. And always respectfully, of course, but I I never want to be afraid to tackle certain subjects. So this topic that we are covering in today's show is um, is going to be kind of one of the darker aspects of our community. And I think it's important to call it out. Right. I think it's important to not only sit here and, you know, look at our culture for all its beauty and just incredibleness. But at the same time, in order for us to correct some of the mistakes of our previous generations, we got to call out some of the bullshit. And this is a part of it. So our topic for today will be focusing on overvaluing whiteness, how our community has historically overvalued whiteness and chased a proximity to whiteness. And um, I have an incredible, incredible interview 
that we're going to be playing in full on today's show with uh, an amazing author. She has a book out right now. It's called For Brown Girls with Sharp Edges and Tender Hearts. Prisca Dorcas Mojica Rodriguez will be joining me in just a little bit on the podcast. And we're going to dive into a few things. We'll touch on my topic from from last uh, last Thursday where I talk about Hispanic versus Latinx. I'll get her take on all of that and kind of we'll dive a little bit more into some of the history um, and meaning behind Latinx and why people are, are wanting to use that. I'll get her take on a hot topic that happened uh, from the VMAs a couple weeks back. And then, of course, we'll dive into a bunch of things from her book. Now, before uh, we hop into the interview with Bree Scott, let's um, do a quick little kind of deep dive into one of the one of the main kind of terminologies we, we tend to hear in this discussion. And she mentions it in, uh, in our interview. So I kind of wanted to clear up and give the, the definition for anybody that might not be familiar. So, of course, as we do in all our deep dives, we'll do it in a segment we call For the People in the Back. Say a lot for the people in the back. All right, so one of the most commonly kind of used phrases when it comes to this whole idea of like the glorification of whiteness by Latin culture, and we usually hear it uh, referred to as mejorar la raza, and uh, that's a common phrase that's used in Latin American uh, countries, and uh, I'm actually reading a, a Huffington Post article about it, and they describe it as meaning to improve the race, which is the literal uh, interpretation of that. And they say that it implies that you should marry or have children with a whiter person so you'll have better looking kids. And I want to focus on that, on that last part, um, that we as a culture historically have trained ourselves that lighter skinned children are better looking. And that is this obsession with whiteness that, that I'm talking about and this overvaluing of whiteness that I'm talking about. And listen, I say that as somebody who's very much so a light-skinned Latino, but that doesn't mean that just because something favors me that I can't call it out and say it is toxic, toxic behavior. And it's a behavior that that then allows us to sort of continue to allow the narrative to happen in society where our stories get buried to the bottom and the white man's story always gets raised to the top. And I'll even use a quick example of this, and I want to preface it by saying... This is a terrible story regardless, but one of the big stories in the news this, this last week has been um, the, the girl that disappeared and then her body was eventually found, uh, Gabby Petito, who it's suspected that her fiance might have might have killed her on her on the trip. And this has been something that's captivated America, right? We've seen the story all over the news. But then I saw this Daily Beast article uh, and they posted on Instagram saying in the same area that Gabby Petito disappeared. 710 indigenous people, mostly girls, disappeared between the years of 2011 and 2020, but their stories did not lead news cycles. And again, this isn't taking away from the horrendousness of of Gabby's story, but just to shine a light on the fact that for whatever reason, and obviously in this case, it really does feel like because she is a blonde haired white girl, her story is making national headlines. Everybody is invested in it, yet, like they said, this is nothing new for indigenous people, mostly women. Their stories just buried somewhere, if at all covered. And I just use that as a, as a current example because I feel like it kind of doubles down on what we're talking about. But this whole idea of mejorar la raza, I mean, it really is like the work of our oppressors, right? Who 
who basically told us the closer we can get to looking white or assimilating into white culture, the better off we'll be in our lives. And that leads us to not wanting to celebrate our own culture, but actually kind of forget it so that we can blend in more and have more opportunities and have the opportunities that come along with looking white or having European characteristics. And again, this isn't to shame anybody. It's not to guilt anybody. You know, like I said, myself personally, I am a very light-skinned Latino, you know what I mean? But I think it's important to have these sort of tough conversations because in order for us to grow as a culture and truly evolve, you know, we have to leave some of the bullshit that we've been taught behind. But I want to make sure I set the tone so you're kind of aware of like the basis of a lot of the conversation that I have with Brisca, uh, where a lot of it derives from. But with that said, let's get into it, our Mi Gente segment of the show. My guest, she is the founder of Latina Rebels. She is also the author of the new book for brown girls with sharp edges and tender hearts. Prisca Dorcas Mojica Rodriguez. How you feeling? Did <laughs> I get that right? No, yeah, you get it all right. Thank okay, you. Okay, <laughs> good, good. <laughs> that, that's a lot, but I love that you're unapologetically not trimming that down for anybody. I have to say, just to, to get things started. <laughs> yeah, it's all on purpose. <laughs> right, which I, I appreciate. So, I mean, listen, I, I want to talk about the book because I feel like I've been seeing it pop up everywhere, even in my own personal life with my girlfriend. Um, and, and she's so excited that she when she found out I was interviewing you. Um, but before we, we dive into that, I want to kind of get your take on a few current events that I kind of feel like might touch on certain themes that you also talk about in the book. I'm down. All right, cool. So, I mean, let, let's start out with the obvious. I mean, you know, this last week we, we kicked off Hispanic Heritage Month or <laughs> Latinx Heritage Month, depending on, uh, on, on what you're kind of subscribing to. Obviously, there is a bit of a debate that happens when it comes to the terminology I'm just curious overall, I mean, for starters, what are your thoughts on like the term Hispanic versus Latino and Latinx and all that's that's included in that? I I've always hated Hispanic. Mm. <laughs> um, I I've always been Hispanic, like right. I've always fallen in that category, but sure. I have always hated it. I was raised in Miami, which is mm -hmm. like mostly Latinx city. Sure. And nobody called themselves Hispanic. You were right. Colombiano, Nicaragüense, Cuban. Nobody was like, I'm Hispanic. Like, right, that's a very, right. <laughs> I feel like that centers white people a lot. Like, it's yeah. just easier to put us all there. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, that's like the argument. It's like the name that was given to us by our oppressors almost, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah I like I, Latinx, though, a lot. Okay, so you do like that. That is kind of like also the thing where people are just like, oh, these damn millennials are trying to like change things now. So I mean, you you are okay with that? Yeah, I think it's. Okay. Uh, can I curse? Before yeah, do I, think. Okay, I think it's bullshit <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that people are putting that on on millennials, right? Because I used to, I started using the at sign, the arroba, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, probably in 2012, yeah. and then 2014, I went to El Salvador, and I met a bunch of trans and feminist activists. Sure. And they're the ones who were like, we don't like the arroba because in the arroba, the O dominates the A still. Mm. Like that visually, we don't like. Like sure. we still are prioritizing the O, the gendered, right. the male O. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they said it, I felt like that um, emoji with the... The your head exploding. Your, your, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just sitting there like, ah, oh, yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and right. it immediately hit. Like, I didn't learn 
the Equis or the E in academia. I learned it right. by trans and feminist mm-hmm. activists in El Salvador who were using the E or the Equis. Right. So I was like, the, are that the argument that this is an academic thing, that this is mm-hmm. a U.S. thing? Mm-hmm. I have it, no, it has nothing to do with. <laughs> right. The, no, I, I agree 100 <laughs> percent. And I think it's it's obvious that like in a male dominated world historically that there would be so much pushback to this. But I think people are failing to realize we're trying to kind of correct some of the mistakes um, exactly. of, of our culture's past, unfortunately, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, so let, let's kind of uh, another kind of controversial thing. And I use air quotes with that. But um, this was last week. We saw the MTV VMAs and their award for mm-hmm. best Latin song was won by Billie Eilish, who is obviously a, a white woman. And then uh, was her song with Rosalia, who is of Spanish European. descent. Yeah, she's from Spain. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of backlash on the Internet about two people who are essentially not Latin winning the, the Latin award. So I'm curious now your take when you when you hear that. Oh, it's so predictably mm. it, though. I mean, I feel yeah. like Latine- we Latinequis primed this situation. Sure. <laughs> Go to Telemundo, Univision, mm. who are right. our anchors. They're yeah. mostly blonde. Right, like, right. Or they yeah. dye their hair blonde. <laughs> right, right. Light skin. Like, even Sofia Vergara. Like, mm-hmm. she was a hit. We knew her in our community. She was in right. telenovelas blonde bombshell she Mm -hmm. came to the u.s to become more palatable to what americans think is latinas Mm -hmm. they made her a brunette right but we we primed this we we have inter we have been taught to overvalue whiteness to the to such an extent that Mm -hmm. we gave white people the permission to then turn around and give this award to some white people (laughs) Right. I mean, it's it's definitely tone deaf. It's obvious that there weren't uh, probably any brown people in the room when this was being decided. Mm. But I do have to say, I kind of feel like there is this weird gray area, though, for people from Spain, right, who speak Spanish. And especially when you're talking about artists who are making music in their native tongue, which is Spanish, they're going to end up kind of crossing paths with Latin America, you know, and the the diaspora, obviously. So, I mean, do you kind of feel like they, they should be kind of kept out of this conversation, though, with that in mind? Yeah, they don't. They're European. No, stay, <laughs> so stay that, in the white. Like you might speak Spanish, right? That doesn't no. <laughs> right. <laughs> like that doesn't give you entrance. That's right. not it. You're still a white person. Like I don't no, understand. <laughs> I mean that 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 definitely is true. But I think what I I guess what I'm getting at there is a bit of a complicated history, especially if you're talking about like Puerto Rico, right? Where you have the the our national i'm puerto rican so my background would be inevitably part spain and also indigenous with Taino indians and, and whatever else is in there with whether it's african blood and, and everything else but kind of a mix but a part of our culture is that of of spain of european so i guess it, it it's, it's kind of confusing at times where we all sort of fit in as well sorry that was my doorbell but, oh, I didn't hear it. You're good. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> yeah. um no no yeah i think it's it's a different conversation when you're a colonized person mm-hmm. who happens to have colonizer in you sure. versus full-fledged colonizer. Right. <laughs> like, okay. there's That's... just a difference. And, right, right, and right. we have to distinguish because they made that distinction right. for us and against us mm-hmm. time and time and time and time again. It has... And then if, if we insist on this script mm-hmm. that you have given us, which has then scripted the ways that we move in the world the ways Mm. that we 
our proximity to like wealth and generational mm-hmm. wealth, our sure. proximity to opportunities, our ability to get jobs because mm-hmm. people don't want to hire someone with a Spanish accent. Sure. They want to hire someone with a European accent. That's sexy. Right, right, right. <laughs> so right. That's when intelligent, they have right? Created... That comes across as intelligent rather than like subservient. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So when they've created these ways to lock us out, mm-hmm. the least we can do is not let them into our spaces mm. because they made us create our own spaces. They right. isolated us and forced us to create community with each other. All right, we got more with Priska, uh, but first, let's uh, take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. (laughs) No one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Voy a ponerme la vacuna Prevnar 20 porque estoy en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. La cual pudiera llevarme al hospital. Así que preguntaré sobre Prevnar 20. 65 años o más, puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar 20. Vacuna conjugada antineumocósica 20 valente. Una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. All right, we are back and um, let's kind of get into, into the book a little bit. You, you talk about kind of having to do your own research to kind of get in touch with your culture and kind of finding a lot of these books that weren't readily available to us growing up. So, I mean, let's talk about first kind of the inspiration that you had that to take that journey into really diving into into your culture and your history. Yeah, I. I was the person who my parents didn't like me to do anything that wasn't Christian mm. related. Even sure. like music, I wasn't allowed, like I called anything that wasn't Christian is called secular music. And still yeah. to this day, like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say like, oh, that's secular music. And people right. who didn't grow up in church will look at me like, what? Right, right, right. <laughs> it's hip hop, bitch. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you even talking about? <laughs> right, right, right. But like only when you grow up in that context, do you understand this that, that it's just Christian or secular? Of mm-hmm. God, of the devil. <laughs> right, right. And there's no so, in between. Yeah. No, no. And books too. My parents, like, I loved reading mm-hmm. and they were just buy me Christian books all the time. I my Bible, I read the Bible like nine times before I was like eleven. Like wow. I was committed. <laughs> yeah, you're in it. 
Yeah. So I just, I was insulated and I went to undergrad, my undergrad, my major was English literature. So of course Mm. I read Chess the Canon, Shakespeare, Milton, Mm. like those folks. So I didn't, I wasn't like edified in any of the ways that I think college should be. Mm-hmm. And then I got to grad school and I was doing a master's of divinity. So theology. Mm-hmm. And it's a really progressive program. Like I didn't go to a seminary in like Texas because it's a very different story when you're going to like a very liberal <laughs> college that's mm-hmm. doing a seminary. They're going to yeah. do it seminary with a twist for sure. Like where right. you can't write a paper where God is a he Unless mm. you explain why you made God a he like you sure. have to get not just like because the Bible said so because there's right. arguments against that if you're talking to biblical scholars. Sure, sure. So when I started getting all this counter narrative to everything I understood about the world, mm. I I was like blown away. Blo- yeah. I mean, class was constantly me being shocked <laughs> that people knew things about like colorism. I remember hearing the concept of colorism. Right. I don't even remember anything that the lecture was about because mm-hmm. I was on my laptop and I went and Googled colorism and was like, because <gasps> yeah. they just dropped it. They didn't even like engage it like a thoughtful. It wasn't like the class was about colorism. It right, was right, almost right. like, <laughs> yeah. and this explains this because of colorism. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Yeah. Google. Right. <gasps> oh, my gosh. <laughs> that explains everything. Sure, sure. <laughs> and I was having those those epiphanies daily Mm -hmm. daily and so i got to this point um halfway through my program where i just was like why doesn't my mom know any of this because Mm -hmm. i know that she wouldn't have intentionally not taught me this it's because this wasn't available to her because she didn't get to go to a vanderbilt university for her Mm -hmm. master's like she didn't even graduate college right so why? Why is that? That feels like that's the problem. Right. Not the fact that these isms exist, but the fact that we have locked away all the tools for people to understand these isms from yeah. the people who are most impacted by it. Right, right. Well, it's almost, it's like it's historically our history has been either like rebuffed, changed or completely mm-hmm. like erased or tried to be kept from us. You know, mm-hmm. even like I was doing a podcast last week and just kind of reading about some of like the inventions that were done by Hispanic people or Latin people, you know, for it's, it blows your mind. And it's just yeah. like, how is this not something that is celebrated in school the same way Thomas Edison is celebrated for the light bulb, you know? Exactly. Um, and, and you start to learn about different things about like the census and how we were all labeled as Mexican at one point in this country, you know, and mm-hmm. you like, oh, that makes perfect sense why Mexican was a racial slur that I heard growing up amongst yeah. white people that I went to high school with, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's just so many things that, like you're saying, your mind just begins to get blown. You're like, wow, so much of our world is based upon this history that's been kept from us or it's been kind of changed. You know, it's just really fascinating. And if we had access to it, our own self-perception would be drastically different. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I think that 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 is a strategy. Block the access sure. so that they stay busy and unaware. Right. And right. I was like, no, let's write a book where we just like give it to them all. <laughs> right. Which I, I love because that is, I think, like the basis of why our culture has so much internal fighting, so much sort of struggle. You know what I mean? Like internal racism amongst each other. And like mm-hmm. we have our own elitist classism system that happens within our own culture. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's true what you say. It's by design. Like that's the work of our oppressors to kind of keep us fighting amongst amongst one, you know, one another because 
The reality is, if you look at the census, once again, we are quickly becoming the majority in this country. And that is very scary for a lot of people. So the only way to kind of not give us that power is to suppress us in different ways like the vote, but also not allow us to teach the the proper history of this world and and our contributions to this world, you know, because that would only just empower us. Yeah. And it's a strategy to keep us separated, Mm. like keep us overvaluing whiteness and the ones of us who aren't black right the closer we can approximate ourselves and pretend we're just one of them they're willing to embrace us right (laughs) so it's like no like you're all that's doing is like we have this critical mass of us Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. breaking us up and then making all the things that we could change harder to do right Right. Absolutely. And I want to get more into some of the things in the book. But one thing that struck me that you said was talking about your parents, like, why didn't they teach you and and why didn't they know about this? I think also for a lot of people who are like first and second generation, our parents kind of just wanted to be able to assimilate as quickly as possible to get a better lifestyle for for, you know, for their family. You know, like I've asked my dad this before uh, recently, you know, being older, but like he celebrated all the traditions of Puerto Rico when he was growing up. He was born and raised there. But we never celebrated as a kid. It wasn't it wasn't no. brought into the household, you know. Yeah. Um, so so it's almost like the they got caught up in almost like the the rat race of trying to exist in this country and not kind of be shunned for being different almost, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I think it's that I think it's also Christianity has gone mm. in and erased and shamed a lot of cultural beliefs. Sure. A lot of cultural ties, a lot of different spiritual practices that have been Mm -hmm. that has been even in with colonization like we could we we rejected a lot of traditions but Mm -hmm. almost like the spiritual stuff stayed right and like the los muertos like Mm -hmm. that like we fused a lot of stuff with catholicism and we were able to maintain some of our traditions but i think christianity is different in, in the way that it has it shamed Right. All of that. Like I grew up understanding that if you were Catholic, you weren't going to heaven because Catholics just went to confession and they absolved themselves. And so that wasn't a real Christian. That wasn't Mm -hmm. a true follower of God. Like, I think that that was a brainwashing that my parents participated in because I was Mm -hmm. like, mommy, how come you don't do this tradition? How come you don't practice this? And she would be like, no, it's, it's of demonios. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, that was a tactic even like you're talking about the Europeans were using to convert people. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, man, th- there's so much history we can we can dive into. But I want to get back to the book. Uh, I mean, let's quickly kind of touch on for brown girls with sharp edges and tender hearts. What is the actual meaning behind the title of this book? Uh, <laughs> um, It's a lot of things. It's sure. my homage to the fact that I have been influenced a lot by black scholars black Mm -hmm. artists like i my parents i couldn't listen to secular music that Mm -hmm. story but i could listen to jazz because my dad was a musician Uh, and jazz was real music right so i listened to billy holiday openly in my house Mm -hmm. uh i listened to irene reed uh dinah washington Ella Fitzgerald. And those mm-hmm. were all storytellers. Like right. I heard Strange Fruit. I was a junior in high school and I was mm-hmm. rocked by Strange Fruit. I was like, yeah. what a what a haunting way to tell this story. Right. Oh, my gosh. So yeah. <laughs> Gloria Naylor is actually the inspiration for the cover. And it is my nod. It is me acknowledging that I am no one without all mm-hmm. these black scholars and black sure. thinkers and black creative women specifically. 
right. will have like shaped me. And so in Gloria Naylor's Women on Brewster Street, mm-hmm. she has this quote. I read this book in grad school. Mm-hmm. She has this quote on page five. That's how much I I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) And she's talking about the women in this book. And she says they were hard edged, Mm. soft centered, brutally demanding and easily pleased. Mm. And I think it's such a beautiful way of holding all the complexities of what it means to be obviously a black woman in the Mm -hmm. U.S., but also just like not a white person (laughs) in the United States and specifically a woman of color. Yeah, I, it, you know, it's funny you're, you're touching on something that I can relate to because I went to school, elementary school in the Bronx and, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, primarily talking uh, black kids and, and brown kids for the most part, but mostly black. And I had a really, really, really strong, incredible black woman as my teacher for kindergarten and first grade. And when Black History Month came along, we really were like ingrained in learning about those things. So for me, a lot of my heroes and figures that I looked up to were a lot of black important figures, you know, the, the Martin yeah. Luther Kings of the world, obviously. And it, it's it's funny that we all, I think, Latin culture, I think without realizing that's why we have such a close kinship to the African-American community, whether it be because we grew up, a lot of us in the same communities. But mm-hmm. also those are kind of the only heroes that were publicly being spoken about that we were able to see that were at least somewhat relatable to that weren't what white. we experienced. Yes, right. exactly. Yes. But once you start digging deeper, you start finding out about like the Young Lords and how they were marching right alongside the Black Panthers. But it's funny yeah. how their story is like almost never told. It's like this forgotten history once again. I mean, what do you kind of attribute to it? Because, I mean, we've had plenty of revolutionary figures throughout the course of of our history, you know, as Latinos, but for whatever reason, they aren't spoken about in that same light. I think because as uh, non-Black Latinx, we are taught to overvalue whiteness. Mm. And so we don't honor anything that's deviant. Mm. We don't honor any rebellion we are taught like be like white people. White people are sure. awesome. They pay their bills. They're, they <laughs> they pay back loans on time. Right, they're, right. They're res- I've heard that growing up. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. You want to work with white people because they right. do things right. Quote yeah, you want to live in a neighborhood with a lot of white people because that means it's like a nice neighborhood. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we we have part again, we have participated in our own silencing because mm. we have been taught that being a respectable <laughs> white person is yeah. the key. And so we value all those things and Mm. we have devalued like when I've heard of the Young Lords, Mm. when I understood the Young Lords, I was like, I'm glad nobody told me this sooner because I know my mom would have been like gangueros. Like, we don't need to talk about those gangueros. (laughs) Right, right, right. And I'm like, I I hate that I can't even have expected them to do better because. There's a history of overvaluing whiteness and devaluing sure. our rebellion, our revolutions, mm. our anything that we go against whiteness is viewed right. as not safe, not good, not personally and right, career right. wise. Yeah, no, 100 percent. Whenever we stand up for ourselves or organize, we're called gangs, you know, mm-hmm. uh, while other people are called like political parties, you know what I mean, or, or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I definitely I, I love this perspective, this conversation. So I want to get back in the book, though. Um, but you, you talk about something that I feel like is incredibly common, but not spoken about enough. And that's the idea of imposter syndrome. Yeah. And and you going to a school like Vanderbilt, which obviously it doesn't have many people of color going to it. Um, mm-hmm. You know that my my girlfriend, I relate to this because we've had a conversation. She's in law school right now and she's one of a few uh, women of color in, in her classes. And she goes through this feeling of sometimes like she doesn't belong there not good enough you know those kinds of things so 
Let, let's kind of touch on this and kind of what you see the reasoning behind this is such a, a common thing for, for women of color specifically, because I think even as a male, we have a little bit more privilege. Even as a male you know, of color, I still on the social totem pole am, am looked at a little bit higher, you know, but specifically, yeah. this is a, a bit of a phenomenon when it comes to women of color. And why do you think so? I think because of how we're socialized, mm. like um, my first my first husband when my mom found out that he served his home plate, mm-hmm. she was shocked. She was mm-hmm. like, oh, <laughs> míralo. <laughs> yeah, like it was yeah. like, a, like a fascination. The sure. one times, like the few times that I've been praised at home when I lived back at home more because mm-hmm. I did laundry. I cleaned mm-hmm. the bathroom without being asked. My mm-hmm. room was clean. I could, I could get on the dean's list every semester and sure. that went unacknowledged every right. semester. Right. But I did the dishes on Friday at 5 p.m. Yeah. And I was a mujer virtuosa. Right. <laughs> so I think it's the socialization. Like yeah. we are praised for certain things. We are mm-hmm. not praised for other things. And then right. we enter elite spaces that aren't, you know, like the cooking championship. Sure. <laughs> and it feels like you shouldn't be there. Like it yeah. feels like everything that's happening good. Mm-hmm. You you should just be humble about it. Nobody mm-hmm. likes a woman that's smart and knows mm-hmm. it. <laughs> right. You'll never find a man if you're too smart. Or you make more money than him or something like that. Yeah, I have been right. told that los hombres no les gusta las mujeres que leen. Men right. don't like women who read. <laughs> right. I've right. been told that. So how yeah. do you not carry that to those spaces? when you start hearing that messaging from whiteness because whiteness right. reinforces that sure it's it's like the double-edged sword like you felt it at home and now mm-hmm. you're entering this space and you feel it to a level that's systemic it's not just right. your mommy praising you for strictly female quote-unquote duties mm-hmm. it's like everybody wondering how did you even end up in this master's program that's so right elite. right and they'll try and find excuses for why you are there or yeah. like or you're labeled as, oh, wow, you're like one of the good ones then. You know what I mean? Like I've yeah. heard things like that, um, yeah. you know, happen like, oh, wow, he's so he's so well spoken. And it's yeah. like that. OK, so that there's obvious like stereotypes and racial undertones to what you're saying that you're surprised that I can compose myself and articulate my thoughts in, in a way that's like acceptable to you. And it's just it's funny how so much of that stuff is just allowed and swept under the rug and nobody really bats an eye about it, you know? Yeah. And it's it's so like, where do you go when you hear something like that at your right. job? Right. Nowhere. Like, there right. is no protocol for it. I was mm-hmm. working at Neiman Marcus on the floor when my manager said mm-hmm. uh, it was the outlet store in Dolphin Mall in Miami. <laughs> and my manager said uh, he was a white man, a gay white man. Mm-hmm. And he said, you're so different than all the other and the raw Latinas mm-hmm. on the floor. He said, you're so different than all of them. You're just so much smarter. Wow. And I couldn't. Where, where do you go? Like, right. The manager just told me that. Like, where do right, I go right. from here? <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely. If you don't have an HR person that's educated on like the undertones and the real meaning of that stuff, most people are going to brush. Oh, but that's not a big deal. He was just complimenting you. You know, they yeah, don't understand yeah. how how what this actually what he's actually saying and how you know detrimental it is to your own confidence and your own identity. 
Yeah, because you want to be in community with someone. And I didn't want to be in community with this white manager. (laughs) Right, right. So then I'm like, this is going to, this makes me, you have now selected me as different. And so that has separated me from my people. Right. And unfortunately, I think a lot of us, because we are taught to overvalue whiteness, and Mm -hmm. again, why we're not taught all our figures that we should know about, Mm -hmm. a lot of us are like, yes, I did it. And mm-hmm. now I, too, can get a promotion because right. I'm different than them. And then I will nurture whoever's different than them, too. Right. And right, then we right. continue the same cycle without them even like they they haven't even told us to become their soldiers for it. Right. We right. have now taken the <laughs> the responsibility to go ahead and perpetuate all that. Right, right. Because we're like almost being tricked into taking pride with the fact that we are different, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's just it really it's, it's just crazy. It really is just like a mind fuck, you know, that uh, is just like purposely done, obviously. I mean, the last thing I want to want to ask you about that I found really fascinating was um, the conversation of internalized racism. So break that down a, a little bit. Uh, it's I mean, it's. <laughs> There, there's a lot of ways to come at it. I don't know how sure. to, how to, where to start, which right. part. <laughs> I mean, you, you talk about how you see yourself uh, and, and your community more clearly, you know, and, and, and even I think how you see yourself in your own community, you know, because I, I think that I've struggled with this as well, where I think when I was younger, I was pushed away a little bit by like my my cousins back home because they would call me a gringo because I didn't speak proper Spanish. You know what I mean? It, my Spanish was broken uh, mm-hmm. and, and I was too Americanized for them, you know, so it almost felt like I didn't have a home and it almost made me kind of revolt against my own culture, I think, to a degree in my mind, you know, that, OK, I'm going to be the furthest thing from you guys then if that's how you feel about me. So it, that that's, I think, uh, a good example of internalized racism that I've experienced in my life. So I, I think kind of if you want to touch on, on from that perspective. I think for me, the way that I uh, specifically wrote about it, it's I I I do look more indigenous. Mm-hmm. Like I trust me, I have tried to not. <laughs> it's taken <laughs> me years to accept it. I yeah. like bought turquoise contacts. Like I tried. <laughs> I thought right. you can alter your appearance, right? And it never worked. And so the way that I experienced it in our communities, because I didn't leave our communities till I was in my late 20s mm-hmm. I that's when I started grad school right so I experienced like mejorar la raza comments mm. like I experienced get out of the sun comments sure I experienced light-skinned Latinx dating me on dares from their friends mm. like all of that it is right. it is it is so embedded that I even knew my first ex-husband <laughs> I knew that if I picked a white guy, they would be okay with it. Wow. And I wanted yeah. to get out of the house so bad that I picked sure. the white guy. Right. Yeah. So it's it's so insidious and it's so it's like it's in everyday interactions. That's right. the thing that I've been talking about. Like we are taught to overvalue whiteness. And mm-hmm. then the ways that that looks is that we undervalue brownness and blackness mm-hmm. at every right. turn. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think we're oftentimes like whether it's by design by ourselves, but also obviously outside sources, we're told that there's only one way to be Latin, right? Like that. And and it's yeah. ignoring just the beautiful, diverse history that, that Lat- Latinos have. You know, it, it's just it, it's just this interesting thing when we when we grew up. It's like, oh, sorry, there's only one way to be so. And if you don't fit into that box, sorry, like, you know, go off and, and find something else for yourself. And there's a lot of like self-hatred that ends up brewing, I feel like, because of that. 
Yeah. Or even last names. Um, mm. I watched a video of a Guatemalan president in the 70s uh, say his last name mm-hmm. for like three minutes. Like he mm-hmm. was like, I forget what his name was, but he started, sure. let's say, Alfredo, mm-hmm. Manuel, Rodriguez, Alcaraz, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. just kept going and going for three minutes. And I remember <laughs> being like, what's happening? Yeah. And the teacher said, oh, he's tracing his lineage to Spain. Mm. Like he's making wow. sure that you know yeah. that he is of Spanish descent. Right. Like that's, that's why fascinating yeah yeah fascinating and we've all internalized it and that's why the rosalia pig pisses me off (laughs) right no i mean and that that makes that makes perfect sense and honestly what you're you're bringing up with me with like my last name is ramos but like white people would say ramos and i wouldn't correct them for the longest time you know what i mean it was just kind of like but now i take pride and be like no you have like this is how you properly pronounce it i correct people i i properly because there's something beautiful about rolling my r to say my last name you know what i mean but like it took a long time for me to find that that internal like love for myself and where I come from, you know. And yeah. I mean, obviously, so many of us struggle with that being in a world that really kind of makes us feel lesser than. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope that a book like this mm-hmm. gives people just courage, right? courage to do whatever it means, because because as a people, we have been told what to do mm-hmm. for far too long. Right. So if. If you read a book like this and you decide to do this minor tweak in the way that you address a room of people and mm-hmm. you say Latinx yeah. instead of Latino, then I think that that's a win. Right, <laughs> but you right. have to start somewhere. Just disrupt Absolutely. the expectations. No, I, I love that. I love that. And it's all about growth. I think we're all learning and we're all kind of correcting past mistakes, past trauma, all of the above. And and these new ideas or ideas that are new to us aren't necessarily wrong because we've never heard them before. We have to accept that a lot of it is a part of growth and correcting yeah. the mistakes of, of previous generations. And that's OK, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I love. OK, so I mean, listen, uh, I, I, I appreciate the conversation. I, I love yes. everything we're talking about. I could talk to you for like another four hours about this. But uh, <laughs> where can people follow you? I know the book is out everywhere right now. Where can people follow you on social media if they want to keep up with everything you're doing? Yeah, I'm at Prisca Dorcas everywhere. So just look for it. I think I'm the real Prisca Dorcas on TikTok. But honestly, don't even bother because I am <laughs> old. I'm right. an older millennial. <laughs> and I'm embarrassed that I'm even on the app. Yeah. But here we are. <laughs> yeah, same. I'm embarrassed when I, I log on to TikTok and I see that people have found me on there because it's just not, I know. It's not quality. You know, I'm, I haven't cracked that one yet. I think I might uh, be a little bit too old for it, but it's okay. <laughs> well, listen, please, guys, it's been amazing getting to meet you. And thanks again for, for hopping on the show. Hopefully we can get to do this again sometime. Likewise. Uh, that was a lot of fun talking to Prisca. Make sure you go check out her book. Again, it's out everywhere right now. Four brown girls with sharp edges and tender hearts. I've been seeing it pop up all over my Instagram from various people. So definitely, definitely make sure you go check that out. And now let's hear from y'all, my fellow gringos, in a segment that we call Ask a Gringo. Before that, though, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. When something happens to your car, you might say, No! My car! But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. 
Voy a ponerme la vacuna Prevnar 20 porque estoy en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. La cual pudiera llevarme al hospital. Así que preguntaré sobre Prevnar 20. 65 años o más, puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar 20. Vacuna conjugada antineumocósica 20 valente. Una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. All right, so for this uh, segment, I kind of wanted to continue on uh, this whole Hispanic versus Latinx versus Latino conversation because it literally just keeps on going. I feel like everywhere I look, I'm seeing a debate. And I had some people coming at me from last week when I was talking about Latinx Heritage Month. Obviously, Prisca and myself uh, had a conversation about it again to get her point of view. So I thought uh, it would only be right to ask y'all what you felt on this. And I got a couple of really good responses on here. At underscore made by Erica said, I don't care. I just need to know which one it is to not piss people off. A very fair and a very honest response. I think that was generally when I originally kind of started hearing this debate. That was generally my thought process. Um, but I mean, obviously, as you dive deeper into some of the history and like meaning behind a lot of these different things, it does. Um, I don't know. I guess the importance of it definitely rises. I mean, and then hearing kind of Prisca talk about, uh, you know, the reasons why it is so important to kind of really, you know, use things properly and 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 her own conversations and her own, you know, kind of findings that she's had that have opened her eyes to it. I think it definitely inspires me to kind of want to do better and make a more, you know, make a bigger effort towards kind of saying things correctly and not just kind of brushing it off as, oh, well, it's not that important. Because that's really kind of, uh, to be honest, how I kind of looked at it before was like, well, does it really matter? But nah, I, I think there there definitely is something to it and to brush it off would kind of be doing a, a disservice to our own culture. So definitely from here on out, I'm going to do my best to replace uh, my language with uh, using Latin X. At Melanie period Bella, says uh, Hispanic or Latina, parentheses, uh, Latina, for sure. The language is said slash written in masculine and feminine. And I mean, listen, yeah, if you're if you're going strictly when it comes to like the way the language is written in Spanish, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. But I think um, what the, the bigger discussion that we're having here when it comes to this is kind of this idea of the importance that is, is placed in Latin culture of men right like the the idea we've all heard of, like machismo you know what i mean and this idea that like men could do no wrong and and 
And it really has led to a, a culture where, unfortunately, a lot of women in the Latin community didn't grow up having their own voice or, or having their own value outside of being, you know, somebody's wife, right? Or being a mother. And, and I guess that that's what's being pointed to when you talk about this. And that's what a lot of people argue is the importance of this, you know, um, by taking away kind of the masculine and the feminine when it comes to the language, you're, you're hopefully kind of rewriting a little bit of this um, machismo kind of hierarchy. Because if you also think about it, like um, the like go to when you're talking about like if you're describing all Latin people, they would say Latinos, right? They don't say Latinas and blanket in men, but they say Latinos and they blanket in women underneath that as well. If you're talking about like a group of people. So it's this idea that the masculine is always going to be above the feminine. I think that's what people are trying to tackle when they, they talk about this. And, and when you break it down in that point, I mean, shit, it does. It does make sense. We've created a bit of a toxic culture where men have historically reigned supreme. And there definitely needs to be a, a correction uh, in that. Let's see. And the last one was uh, from at Ms. Soria 90. She says, uh, Hispanic is just fine. I understand the importance of inclusivity, but Hispanic isn't offending anyone. And yeah, I think I, I think that you're you're right. I don't think it's necessarily uh, offending anybody. Like Hispanic isn't a derogatory term. You know what I mean? So you're you're right in that sense. Um, I guess I mean, and this is something we talked about in the interview. I talked about in the last uh, kind of um, Latinx Heritage Month episode that we did last week. But I think it's just understanding where the word Hispanic comes from, and and I think understanding that you know as a culture, you know we were and oppressed people, right? Like we were looked at as lesser than. And I get and I and the idea that rubs people the wrong way is the fact that we're going along with a name that was given to us essentially by our abusers, you know what I mean? By our oppressors. And I think that's where the obvious controversy comes from all of that. And not to call anybody out who's participating in this conversation because I appreciate all y'all, but I do wonder why there is so much pushback to this idea of like Latin X. You know, like when I heard it, I really Personally, didn't have an issue with it, you know, like, uh, I mean, like I said before, I didn't think that we necessarily needed to, like, banish one for the other un until I really started to kind of deep dive into and educate myself. But I guess it really is just like the idea of human nature, right? As humans, we are always going to push against change and, and find an excuse for why change is wrong, why something different is is wrong. And let me continue that thought, um, actually, uh, as we get into conclusions, too, because I kind of feel like I'm getting on to a, a bit of what like, like the summary of all this would be. So we'll get into that. And thank you all so much who participated in the Ask a Gringo segment at the DJ Dramos on Instagram. If you want to be a part of any future conversations, I do this for each and every episode. I post questions in my story. So if you all want to be a part of the podcast, you can do that there. Uh, and now let's uh, let's kind of tie everything we've learned up into a neat little bow in a segment we call Conclusion Stew. Time for Conclusion Stew. Okay, so I mean, I think for me, the biggest takeaway that I have from from all of this, whether it be the conversation with Prisca, my own kind of deep diving that I'm doing, I mean, it's just last couple of weeks of really kind of inundating myself and in, in everything and, and and really just having an open mind and an open ear. My takeaway is that we just can't be afraid of progression. Like like our culture has achieved so many amazing and incredible, incredible things. But we've also been our own worst enemy at times, whether holding on to these old religious ideals that 
that don't allow us to open our minds and expose ourselves to new and different ideas that potentially could help us grow as a culture, um, you know, to old traditions that really no longer serve us. I mean, even talking about this machismo culture, you know, even uh, Pariska mentioning how like the only time that she was viewed as valuable by her own family was when she was cleaning up the house or doing the dishes or cooking, whatever it was, you know, meanwhile, she's like doing great grades in, in school, going to uh, amazing colleges like Vanderbilt University, but she's not being celebrated for those things. You know, I mean, that's obviously an issue in our culture that we need to correct. And then obviously, when it comes to these different terms, like how we want to refer to ourselves, I mean, we're just like finding new ways to argue with one another. And I think that that's sort of the the biggest story when it comes to our our culture. Anything new, anything different, we sort of fight against it. You know, we don't embrace it and we we kind of just try and, and shield ourselves from it. And it's just something to keep in mind. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. And and um again, like we had kind of mentioned the asset good English segment. I mean, it's not necessarily as far as I know, I mean somebody can correct me if I'm wrong as far as I feel personally. There's nothing, you know, offensive about the word Hispanic. It's just not the ideal, you know, way we want to describe ourselves because it's how somebody else decided that we were going to be, you know, designated in this country. But I do think that stuff like this and when you see these arguments happening online and and just how passionate people get about it and how they want to pick a side, it does explain why we don't have these sort of representation in places like media when, you know, something really bad happens to a member of our community, you know, or we don't have like the uh, front facing social justice advocates that like everybody knows who they are, you know, when something happens in this country, it's, we don't we don't do well at organizing and supporting one another, right? We would rather compare and and contrast one another why we are not the same, you know what I mean? Or why we refer to ourselves differently or or whatever it is like i feel like we constantly try and find ways to like separate ourselves from each other and like create this caste system within our own culture and then it's just a detriment to our to ourselves at the end of the day right like you know you go from from even the idea of like colorism and and that's what this whole uh episode is is essentially about right like this idea that overvaluing whiteness and not and overvaluing whiteness not only just like trying to get in good with like white people in this country, but also trying to whiten ourselves, like rather than trying to sit here and find a way to say why we're different or why one of us is better than the other. Like we all just have to come together on at the very least. The common denominator is that in this country, for any racist in this country, they are not going to ask you whether you are Mexican or Puerto Rican before they commit some sort of act of violence or decide to hate you just for simply existing. And that's something we need to understand. Like we we need to be better at organizing and getting behind one another. When something happens to one of us, it should happen to all of us. And that's how we should treat it. We shouldn't stay quiet. When we see these stories of like outrage at the border when it comes to uh, my brothers and sisters, we should be outraged as Puerto Ricans. Like this is, I'm, and these are just examples. I'm, I'm just saying, and I'm kind of like going off on a bit of a wide blanket thing, but we should just be celebrating one another, and we should also be celebrating ourselves. Like it's 2021. This idea that we have to be white or, uh, or like sneak ourselves into white culture to find success, happiness, and acceptance in this country, in this world, like 
that's that's a prehistoric notion. And that's what I mean about these old ideals. Like, listen, we are on the path to quickly becoming the majority in this country. The days of us having to assimilate into white culture are gone. We could sit here, we'd be proud, we could be celebrating our culture. And there's not a damn thing anybody can do about it because we have an audience now. Like we have a voice and we just need to get better at organizing and get better at celebrating that voice. And that's that's all I'm saying when it comes to to all this kind of stuff and this whole this whole conversation. And I hope that it maybe opened up some people's minds and, and, and kind of pointed out some things that they have been blind to, you know? I mean, shit, last thing I'll, I'll remind you of is, is look at our Spanish television stations. Who is being celebrated up there? It's all white-looking Latinos, you know what I mean? Like, that that's who's being celebrated on there. If that doesn't tell you what people's idea of, like, the ideal representation of our our culture is, like, I don't know what else to to kind of bring up to you, you know? We just have to do better, and we just have to be there to support one another and really get behind one another. I know it's difficult um, because, you know, our, our cultures, while they share a lot of similarities, there also is sort of drastic differences and, and different needs for, for different cultures. But at the end of the day, like, we all need to be in this together. And that means backing one another up and also being there loud and proud and being unafraid to celebrate our culture and live our life as proud Latin equis in this country. And I hope I use that properly because y'all know my Spanish is trash, but I'm trying to get better at the phrasing over here. Uh, call me out if I fuck that one up. Now, with that said, man, thank you all so much for tuning into today's episode. Again, um, please, if you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, I'm actually going to do, I'm going to do a giveaway with this. Give us five stars and leave a positive review. Screenshot it and then DM it to me on Instagram. I'm going to pick a couple people. I'm going to send y'all some free merch. Uh, for doing that. So do that. Leave a nice little comment for me. I would greatly appreciate it on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. And with that said, another Latinx Heritage Month episode in the books. I'll be back with a brand new episode of the podcast on Tuesday. Until then, have a great weekend. I'll talk to y'all then. Peace. Life as a Gringo is a production of the Michael Tura Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. Si tienes ciertas afecciones crónicas como enfermedad cardíaca, asma, diabetes, y tienes 19 años o más, 52, 36, 42, puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar 20, vacuna conjugada antineumocósica 20 valente, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar20. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 